Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome to Rethink Culture, the podcast that shines a spotlight on business leaders who are rethinking workplace culture and putting people first. My name is Andreas Constantino, and I'm your host, and I'm also chairman and founder at Slash Data. I'm an accidental micromanager who turned servant leader over the years and developed a personal passion for workplace culture. If you have any thoughts that you'd like to share about the podcast, please let me know by emailing rethink at rethinkculture.co. Today, I have the pleasure of hosting Eric Lilla. He's the founder and CEO of MetroStar Gymnastics. They celebrated their sweet 16 anniversary in January. He's going to tell us more about that. He is not a gymnast. However, he runs a large gymnastics company where they teach over 3,000 people every week. And he tells me he has a few hobbies that he likes to change from time to time. His current hobby is climbing to the highest point of all 50 states in the US. What an amazing feat that will be. And his passion is also to coach and inspire others so that we can all together celebrate their success. What a humble and pivotal passion that is. Eric, very much welcome to the Rethink Culture podcast. Hey, thank you for having me today. So tell us a bit more. I mean, there's so many questions I want to start with. Tell us a bit more. What drew you to start a gymnastics company, given you're not a gymnast? Okay, so what's funny is, is actually... Um, my my business partner, who is also my my wife, was my girlfriend at the time, and she she tricked me. Basically, <laughs> is what happened. Uh, one day, she came to me with a, a VHS cassette tape, and she said, "Will you please take a look at this for me? Because I just need your help." And of course, I said yes. So she popped this VHS cassette tape into the VCR, and she hit play. And what I saw was is a bunch of uh, little people um, running towards a vault table, um, trying to do a gymnastics vault. And she said, if you watch this, Eric, they're just, they're not doing very well. And I'm not exactly sure what's going on. And I said, immediately, I can tell you what they need to do. And she said, what, please. Um, and I'm like, they need to do some running drills. I go, they are, they're not very fast and they're, they just don't have enough energy. And she said, okay. Um, and so I had actually been a pole vaulter, um, in high school and so a lot of the mechanics were similar, right? You're running as fast as you can towards an immovable object. And, and then you've got to figure out your steps. And there's just a whole bunch of things you have to do. So she invited me into the gym to come and do running drills with these students. And so I went and I did that. And, and I'll be honest with you, it was a little awkward. It was a bunch of little girls. They were between probably 8 and 13 years old. I'd never worked with any children before. And so I, I finished and I was like, okay. I, I endured that lovely. <laughs> and as I'm making my way out, the head coach said, Eric, that was incredible. Will you please come back again and, and do that with us on Monday? And at the time, I if I had said no, I would have been lying. I didn't have anything else going on. So I ended up coming back on Monday and working with the kids again. And, and this went on for a few weeks. Well, after a few weeks time, I showed up and they didn't need to do vault that day. They were supposed to tumble. And so she said, okay, um, take them to tumbling. And I'm like, okay, well, I don't, I know nothing about that. And she said, no problems. If it looks bad, tell me, and I'll tell you what's wrong with it. And then we'll go from there. I said, okay. So the first student does uh, a, a skill and like bounces off of her head kind of. And I'm like, well, that's, that's obviously not right. I'm like, Hey, a little help there. What's going on with this? And she said, well, she needs to keep her arms straight. And I said, okay, um, mm. said, please keep your arms straight. 
And and at that moment, I really became an apprentice, you know, like like a plumber or an electrician. And I just started asking questions and I started getting really curious. And before long, I had fallen in love with with working with these kids. I just had such a great time building relationships with them, getting to know their parents. And and it was very clear to me that this is what I wanted to do. Um, in the meantime, I was also applying to go to graduate school. So I have a, a mechanical engineering degree and I was looking at getting a master's degree in engineering. And I received my acceptance letter from the University of Michigan. And it said, um, hey, welcome to the program. I soon after got a second letter that said, this is going to cost $80,000. And as I, I was reading this, I remember very vividly, I'm sitting in my mother's basement. I'm looking at this letter. I'm like, I'm, I'm feeling something. And, and I'm like, I don't want to, I just don't want to do this. I think if I do this, I'm going to be miserable. And so I called Liz and I said, Liz, I'm not going to go to school anymore. And she's real quiet. And she says, well, what, what do you think you're going to do instead? And I said, I just want to coach gymnastics. And then she got real quiet and we <laughs> waited a while. And she said to me, um, okay, well, I kind of just want to coach gymnastics too. And that sort of launched this, this whole path of, of coaching gymnastics together. And at the time, there weren't any full-time jobs for a guy with six months experience coaching gymnastics. Like that wasn't a thing. And, and I think as entrepreneurs, we know if there's not an opportunity, we have to make one. Right. And so that's, yeah, we had to go out and create this opportunity. So for ourselves at the time. And, and since I think you mentioned my why statement, which is to coach and inspire others so we can celebrate their success. At some point, this pivoted to where we realized that we could provide this opportunity for others to have a career in this field. And, and that really just, it just blew our minds that this was even possible. And so really what drives us today is how can we do more mm -hmm. of that? How can we create opportunities for members of our team to do this thing that they love and are passionate about? How can we create opportunities in our community for kids to have a chance to, to do this sport that we all love and has given us so much? Um, and and that's, the, that's the driving force today. Culture is important to you. And we discussed about this before hitting the record button. And I want to start with what's behind your back. So for those listening on audio, it's like a star. Uh, can you tell us more about it? Absolutely. So uh, what's over my shoulder is um, what's called our high five board. And so what we've done is um, one of the really the core, the core driver for us, I mean, they're called core values for a reason. And we have put them at front and center in everything that we do. So there we, we are not shy about it. We broadcast it everywhere. So this is one spot. So on this high five board, we have a um, it's a star, which is which is also incorporated into our logo. And, and it's a five-point star, and each point of that has one of our core values. So um, we've got contagious enthusiasm, learn and grow, trust and respect, confidence with humility, and um, and own it. Um, and so what we do is we have actually a program at the gyms, and all of our staff are constantly looking for other staff members that are exuding our core values. And I'll, I'll, for those of you that are looking at this, um, we've got these little cards. And so the cards are shaped in the shape of a hand um, and it's called a high five. And what we do is we'll, um, one coach or one team member will notice someone doing something where they're exemplifying our core values. They'll put their name on it. They'll write their compliment on there. 
And then each month we pin these up onto our, um, onto our uh, high five board. And then they, and we kind of count them up and we're able to track, you know, how many learning grows did we see this month? How many opportunities for contagious enthusiasm? How many people owned it? And it's just a great way for us to constantly be looking around and finding those core values and, and our, our team members living those on a day-to-day basis. It reminds me of another culture uh, technique or hack that Arnie Malham used, which is these thank you cards, which he has staff write one thank you card to another card. And uh, in his book, he shows a desk of one of his six-month-in employees that's covered with thank you cards from other employees as a as a way of really not just rewarding and recognizing people but creating purpose like we all like to help each other and if you can make that immediate and visual and recognize the effort it just hits so many spots yeah and i think what's important for us is always um we want to we want to make sure that we're building connection all the time because at the end of the day life is short right and, and life is too short to be miserable, and, but we are going to spend a lot of our time in the workplace. So how can we make the workplace a joyful place for us? And, and part of that is having really great relationships with our, with our coworkers and, and working with people who believe what we believe. And so by really shining a spotlight on these core values, what it does is the people who really, really buy into our mission, vision, values, they're all in and we have a lot of fun together. And for the people that aren't, they tend to self-select out, which is which is okay because while while in many cases, in all cases, they're wonderful people, but they may have more success and they may thrive in a different environment. And so let's let's get the folks that really rally behind what we're doing here. Let's get them together. And for the people that are not, let's help them find the thing that really gets them excited as well. How did you? land with this passion for culture and values was it always on the back of your mind i want to build a culture of significance or was it like you woke up one night and said culture is important i i think it was it was a culture of necessity so i think i so i previously i was employed places where i was a terrible culture fit i didn't know that at the time i mean i i could probably feel that like something was off or i was always like a like the counterculture person and I the just contrary all the time, right? Just at, not very, not buying into the mission and vision and values. And so I, I kind of had that in the back of my mind of places I didn't fit. What really, really hit at home for me was, um, so I was a student at the EO's entrepreneurial master's program, um, which is uh, touted as the most transformational program in the EO eco- ecosystem. And, and I wholeheartedly believe that. And as part of that, we began with, we had Vern Harnish came and, and gave us an opening. And, and he said something along the lines of like, you own the culture at your company. If it's bad, it's your fault. And I was like, oh, and it was such a kick in the gut at that moment because I, I knew when he's saying that, I'm like, you know what? It's not what it should be. It's not as good as it could be. We have folks that maybe aren't good fits and that is my fault. And so now I'm feeling bad and I'm like, okay, well, that stinks. Well, then the next speaker was a, a Simon Sinek facilitator who started talking about your why. And I was like, this is really interesting to me. I, I love this content. And so out of that work came uh, the why for myself and the company, which is to coach and inspire others so we can celebrate their success. So I'm like, okay, well, that is a good kernel. 
Well, then Artie came on and started talking about culture with all of these little tips and tricks. And all of a sudden, I realized like the culmination of those three speakers made me go home and say, I have some work to do and I'm really excited about this. So at that time, we, we as a, I came back to my leadership team and they, they all, of course, thought I was nuts, right? Because I went away to this training. I'm gone for a week or two and I come back and I, I have so much energy and enthusiasm around this that they're like, okay, I think we're going to have to at least entertain him a little bit. But very quickly, they also saw the value of where I was going with this. And so at that time, we consolidated our core values. We wrote descriptions of them. We actually did a whole launch. This was in 2018. I did a whole um, whole company meeting where we launched the core values officially. We launched all the descriptions. And, and you, could, you could feel things start to shift already. Um, we started making them very customer-focused. So... We give out these welcome boxes when we start. And so we started putting in this um, rat card inside that talked about our core values and shared them with our customers. Um, and we just started integrating them into everything that we did. And what that did is, one, for some people, they're like, oh, I knew this. I knew this was my place. For some people that weren't, weren't necessarily bought into what we were doing, they started to feel really uncomfortable. And it wasn't, it wasn't on purpose. It was, it was with a purpose, actually. It, but those folks, they weren't good fits and they didn't necessarily believe what we believe philosophically as we were as, as teachers, as gymnastics coaches, as business owners. And so it took a probably 12 to 24 months from that launch to where some of those folks self-selected out and, and decided to make a switch. But it also started attracting all of the right people to us. And more importantly, the right customer, because now the customers know exactly where we stand, what we're trying to do. And the people that wanted that sort of the, the, the positive um, learning environment for their children, um, that's what we started getting those. And some people, they want their kids to be coached really hard or they want like really tough um, coaching on their kids. And they want like um, and they want that for their children. And that that's not who we are. And so they said, okay, well, this isn't for me. We're going to go somewhere else. And what it did is it also made it really easy to make recommendations because we also know the cultures of, um, of our neighbors. And so we were able to say, hey, listen, I think maybe this would be a better fit for you. And, and what's nice is everybody sort of parts ways as friends. Um, by really having the focus on the culture that we, that we have. Yeah, it's not a criticism. It's, it's either a fit or it isn't, right? Correct. Exactly. Yes. And so, Eric, before we dive deeper into your culture, I know you have lots of stories to tell. Let's play this game of two truths and one lie. So what are two truths and one lie for you in no particular order? In no particular order. Excellent. All right. So um, we'll start with the, the first one is um, I once won an engineering contest by building an incredible balsa wood structure. Okay. That's wow. the first okay. one. All right. The next one is um, I got a pilot's license to fly airplanes in only three months' time. Okay. Okay. And then the third is um, I once won an all-expenses-paid trip from a cup at the McDonald's. <laughs> they all seem equally unlikely, so... Let you, tr- let you chew on let's that for a while. Let's chew on that, and we'll get to it at the end of the episode. So back onto 
values and culture. And um, Stephen, who introduced us, our common friend, he told me about one or two people from your staff that have tattooed your company on their body? That is correct. So I, long, I don't remember when it was. I wanted, There's a company here in, um, in the U.S. It's called Anytime Fitness. And I, was, I saw this either online or one of their posters or something that they had like a tattoo program, okay? And I thought, who would get an Anytime Fitness tattoo? That seems very unlikely. Yeah. However, I was also intrigued because... I know that, uh, you know, the, the brand that we're building in the, is, is it's a feeling, mm -hmm. right, of, of what we're providing for folks. And also, we, we provide, we're a, a, a place in some people's journey and sometimes a big place of where this may be their first job. It may, be, it may be an important milestone for them. They may get some leadership training that propels them forward. We've got kids that have started um, gymnastics with us at five years old, and then they start working for us when they're 16 and we're their first job. So I realized like this brand actually has different meaning to different people. And I thought, how cool would it be if somebody wanted to get the, the logo as a tattoo to sort of mark that journey? And so I launched a program. I said, you know what? If someone wants to do that, I think that's so cool. I will gladly write the check to do that. I will go with you as well because I think it's so cool. And of course, there'll be a I'll buy lunch too, of course. So, um, so up to now we have had, we've had two, um, of our team members that have gone and got the, got the tattoo. And what was really cool was it's not small either. <laughs> um, one, one of our team members, it was her whole foot. She actually got the whole top of her foot tattooed with the Metro stars logo. Um, and then we've got another team member that it's on his, it's on his calf on his leg and, and it's, it's, it's large. I mean, it's a, it's a large tattoo on his leg. Um, we actually just got done with an event over the weekend and I've got four other, four other people that have told me like probably this, maybe before the end of the year or next year, they're ready to take me up on it. So we may, um, up the tattoo count. We could go from four to six here, um, in the next, you know, Very 12 good. months. Maybe though there's a Guinness record of, um, you know, tattooing your company name on, uh, on, yeah. Um, I, I think. Yeah, it's just a, what a testament to to you know the impact that we're able to have right. on on our team members, and I I just I think I think it's so cool. So you told me earlier about your learn and grow value, which is right behind you on on the video, and there's a few things you do about it, but I like that you really live that value. So tell us more. I think you are running an annual summit. We do. So, so the, the learn and grow has always been a really important thing, um, for, for me personally. And I think, I think that stems from just a, I just a natural curiosity about the world. Um, I also think that in business, you know, we always say if we're doing the same thing we were doing a year or two ago, we're probably doing something wrong. And, and the way forward through that is to, is to learn and, and grow as a team. Um, so we run an annual, um, it's called summit. And what we do is we actually close the facilities for an entire, an entire workday. We bring in our entire staff and we just plan a whole learning day together. So that day starts off with, um, you know, we have a registration. We do some cool um, swag for everybody. And then we come together and we do um, some connection games. So we'll do some things where we 
get to know each other. Um, one of the challenges that we have is that our, our team is spread across three different facilities. So it's important for us, again, to, to make that connection um, and to get people to, to learn from each other and to get to know people across facilities. So we start with some connection things. Um, I love to do a year in review. Mm-hmm. And so I'll, I'll do a kind of a kickoff. And one of the things I talk about every year is just to give everybody kind of our story, a little bit, um, a different spin on what I told you at the beginning of the podcast today of just how did we get from where we are or where we started to where we are? Because this company started with five students in a little itty bitty space. And how do we get from that place to where we are today? And what did that journey look like? Just so that they can understand what they're part of a much bigger thing um, than they may realize. So that's always a wonderful time for us. Um, We bring in an outside speaker so that they can learn um, some things. So we had a a speaker, her name was uh, Lisa Evans, who came and visited with us. And Lisa talked about our ripple effect, which is very important as coaches that to understand the impact that we're having on other students and parents and in our community. Um, and then we give our, our team an opportunity to be the experts. And so we do a whole afternoon of, um, of learning events. And so we'll have four learning events going on at a time. They could be things of maybe dealing with behavioral issues in class. We may have uh, event specific things like coaching bars. We may have uh, some customer service tips and tricks. Um, and so we'll actually have four sessions going on at, t- at a time, and then the groups will split up. And so we'll do a bunch of sessions in the afternoon. Um, and then we bring it all together in the, in the, um, at the end of the day just to send people off. And so this year we had a really cool video where we actually collected a bunch of interviews with students talking about their favorite part of the gym. And, and what was really cool was is that the message was the coaches. They just talked mm-hmm. so much about how much the coaches made an impact on them. And, and again, it, it's a, an, a, just a great opportunity. So that's uh, something we do annually with our team. In addition to that, we also offer hands-on training that is done um, every other month. And so we'll have an internal expert. We'll run a hands-on training. And again, maybe it's on balance beam and they may run a 90-minute session on coaching um, opportunities for people on balance beam. And, and what's cool is, is then at the, as we review folks and we do one-on-ones and things, we're actually looking for examples of this learning grow core value. And as part of our compensation rubric, that's a, that's a piece that goes into it. So if you are actually per- actively participating in learning grow throughout the year, you're going to actually be compensated for that more highly than someone who hasn't done any of those things because it's, that's how important it is to us and our, and our team. You have even more, let's say, culture um, initiatives that you, you haven't talked about yet, but how do you coordinate and run all these do you have like a people and culture person do you do them yourself do you delegate them to members of the team like arnie malham does how do you like ideate and execute on all of those initiatives so we have yeah we have a bunch of um it's interesting so we don't have a one it's no one person does one thing so um as an example so our summit we actually have a summit committee um that's put together and, and the summit committee actually ran the whole thing. Hmm. Um, my business partner, who's also my, um, uh, happens to be my wife as well. Um, so Liz actually sort of chairs the committee. Um, uh, but she'll tell you this year, the committee really did mo, did almost all of the work. So they, they set up, you know, there's a lot of logistics that goes into planning an event for a hundred people from gathering lunches to, setting the schedule to putting the speakers together to making sure the AV is all set up. 
And that team, again, shout out to them. They did an amazing job this year um, putting that all together, and it, it ran very smoothly. Um, we have some other pieces like our book club. Um, and so our book club actually, so the managers will review the books. So we have a facility manager at each facility. They'll actually go over and do, we have a review sheet that the, the team member fills out. They'll go over with the, the review sheet with the team member, um, or they'll actually do it at the, um, we actually have an all facility meeting at each, uh, each week. So they may go over it there and then that gets submitted to payroll department. Um, we've got our anniversary program. So actually Liz, um, Liz actually is in charge of the anniversary program, but then again, pulls in other people. Um, and trying to think what other pieces we have the hands-on training. Actually, we've got, um, we have, we actually have trainers that at each of our facility. And so the trainers are actually, actually run the hands-on training portion, um, of our program. And so they'll alternate which facility it's run at. They coordinate who the speaker is going to be. Um, so I think it's one of those, um, everyone's responsible for culture. Um, and, and they all take it very seriously Mm -hmm. because they understood they, they've seen what happens when it's not good or when we have someone that, that just, you know, they, it isn't a good fit and it just makes life hard for everybody. And I, I also am always a big preacher of like, don't, don't keep around someone that isn't a good culture fit because you end up losing people who are good culture fits because of it. Right. So I go that, right what you what you permit you promote and so if we permit bad culture fits to stay here we promote bad culture and so and and i think everybody really subscribes to that and can feel when that's not the case and is willing to make a move when we need to and when did you start taking culture seriously like like how many years ago um it was it was 2018 i was actually just going through my presentation so 2018 is the year where we basically we launched core values we started discussing what they looked what they looked like and how people would live them and then and then it's just uh after that it's a continuous improvement you know we're always looking like what can we do better so so this board that um that we have that ha- that we have behind me um actually started out as thumbtacks and yarn at one of the facilities so they actually stuck thumbtacks in the wall in the shape of a star they wrapped yarn around it and and then they were using just post-it notes, and so that and again that was just an experiment that that one of our um, team members started doing, and and it just took off. And so then we started putting some resources behind it, and and so we're all about continuous improvement. And again, I think that's that learn and grow core value of like what what can we be doing better tomorrow that we're not doing okay. today, and and those ideas can come from anywhere. And we really try to um, one of our core values is confidence with humility, and so. I think part of that is like great ideas can come from anywhere and we have the humility to accept that and, and try to, and try to build up that confidence in others so that they're willing to bring those ideas to us. Do you us. have any way of bubbling up those ideas from anyone in the organization? We do. So actually, um, in our, um, we actually do a monthly net promoter score with our, with our team. And so essentially very simple survey. We do it monthly and it says, how likely are you to recommend Metro Stars Gymnastics as a workplace? You know, and if it's a if it's a ten, um, tell us why, and and it, and that's great fishing for compliments. But we also then have a follow up question: Is there anything that we could be doing better? Mm-hmm. Um, and then if it's a seven or eight, we start asking questions around like, Hey, what what do you see that we could be doing better? Um, our leadership team reviews that on a monthly basis and we go and we look at, you know, what kind of feedback and opportunities there are. And, and in some cases, 
you know, I, I'm sure anybody out there who has done a net promoter score before and look for that feedback, sometimes this stuff is not possible, right? Like people, they, they want, um, you know, we, I don't know, let's, I'm trying to think of something nutty. Like, um, we, we'd like live entertainment every day and you're like, okay, that's something, could we do that? I suppose we could. I don't think we're going to be incorporating that into our culture, but, um, you know, that, thank you for the idea. And sometimes it's real simple. Like I think at one point people, they wanted some, they wanted some snacks and water because they're coaches. So they're very active and doing stuff. And we're like, we can fix that immediately. So the next day we went and bought cases and cases of water, got them in a refrigerator and had them available for coaches in between. So, um, what we also do is we address those things in written form. And we also have, we actually have an all staff meeting at each facility. And so the managers will actually talk through, Hey, listen, this is what we heard this month. Here's how we're addressing it. Or this is something that, you know, we're not able to, we, that we can't do this or we're not able to do this at this time. So we're very forthright with all of that as well. Um, and we do a net promoter score. We do that survey on a facility by facility basis too. So we end up with three, with three, one for each facility. That way um, we get specific feedback from each one. And that's employees, not customers, right? That's employees. Correct. Yes. That's all internal. We actually, we, we don't do it with customers. Um, we just, it's just with employees. And if you started five years ago, working on culture, where are you on this journey? Are you like starting? Are you halfway? Are you almost there? Where do you see yourself? I, I always think of culture like a garden. So I would say in 2018, um, we probably had a weed patch. Okay. And so the first step was, okay, we got to, we got to get this patch ready to even grow a healthy culture. Um, and after that, you know, you start, you start planting some easy crops. And so we, we kind of picked the low hanging fruit and we, we did that. Um, and so I'd say we're midway through the journey. You know, we've got, we've got a nice garden growing, um, but it could be, it could, it could always be better. And so like, um, and part of it is always thinking about like, you know, Maybe there's a kind of soup that we want to make and we haven't planted that vegetable yet, right? And so we need to keep looking. And so we're always on the lookout for what's new. What are, what are, some, what are some companies doing? What are some new ideas like? And how will this evolve tomorrow? And so actually that was one of the things we did this year very recently was with our compensation package is we actually just started um, really, again, having more of an open, open book and showing people exactly, hey, listen, if you want to be here, Here's the things you need to do and actually laying it out. And, and it's less, um, it's less feelings and more facts now of how much experience do you have? How much, how are you, how are you living the core values and putting some objective metrics behind all of that? And so, um, that's, that's relatively new, but it's been well received because then there's no guessing about like, okay, well, why am I making what I'm making? It's very clear what it is. It's also been helpful with recruiting because some people, Maybe thought like, could I have a career here? Well, I don't know what the compensation is. And now, hey, there's a chart. And you're like, hey, if I've worked here five years, I've got this much gymnastics experience. I have this level of responsibility. I'm showing these, th I'm demonstrating these leadership characteristics. I'm doing this learn and grow. I have this education. It all filters into that chart. And again, did we get it right the first time? Probably not. And I'll be the first to admit that. But um, it was a huge step forward. So, um, and what's the next step forward? The, the exciting part is I don't know. I don't necessarily know. Right. Um, it's going to it'll unveil itself to us as we kind of continue forward. Um, but so I, I would say we're I would say we're always in the middle of the journey. There's no real finish line to culture. It's always like that garden. You're always replanting it. You're always finding new crops. You're finding a new kind of seed to plant. And, and 
Sometimes it doesn't work out and it's a failure. That's okay too. There's learning in that as well. Are you the gardener or, or are you the um, just the person that enjoys living there? So like, do you make the decisions on culture or are these collective decisions? Um, at this point, um, at this point, it's a collective decision. Um, any, anything we do, we, we work with the leadership team. Um, the advantage, I, I may be, I may be the idea person. I may be an idea driver a lot of times. And part of that is, is like, I really love to learn. So I, I have the, I'm blessed to have the opportunity to interact with, um, entrepreneurs, you know, again, all over the globe through my involvement with entrepreneurs organization. Uh, and so I, I get, I'm privy to mm. seeing kind of it's what people are doing. And so a lot of times I'll bring those in and, and again, if a, if a giant fortune 500 company is doing something, sometimes it's not right for us, you know, for a variety of reasons, but I, I try to just bring the ideas. And then as a leadership team, we, we got to decide together if that is a thing right. that fits or not. Right. Um, w- another thing I've learned over time is, is that if, um, it, I may have the best idea, but if everybody isn't bought into it, it doesn't matter. Actually a worse idea that everyone's bought into is going to actually be executed in a better way than the best idea that nobody likes. Right, right. Is there something that you would feel proud, is there an idea, a culture um, initiative you'd be proud if someone stole from you? And the second part of that question, is there another culture initiative you've seen elsewhere that you'd like to steal? Sure. Um, I think if people steal our high five board, that's one that um, I would, I would love, I would love to see just because again, um, this is for those on audio, this, our high five board is out. It's in the gym. Everybody can see it. It's front and center. And, you know, we also do some open playtime things in here. Um, I would love to see that another one to steal. And um, we haven't chatted about it yet, but one of our pieces, this is from the last year, we started doing a community piece. And so we have these open play times at the gym, um, that are open to anybody to come. And each month we've actually um, selected a charity partner and then we donate 20% of the proceeds off the top. And so we've been able to this last year work with some very local charities that are that are very small where we can make an impact on their budget with our donation. And I would love people to steal that of just like finding those um, organizations locally that they um, that are making an impact in a, in a different way perhaps than we do. Um, and so we just, we just posted this at the summit. I think we ended up donating, um, over $13,000 last year to these local charities. Um, and we look forward to growing that number this year as well. Um, as far as stealing things, uh, gosh, I, I think everything we've got is stolen. I mean, um, <laughs> you know, the, the, the old replicate and duplicate, I I'm convinced like there, we probably don't have an original idea. I'm sure somebody could come in here and yeah. uh, all of this is so I think the thing I look forward to stealing is the next thing. So I don't know what that is quite yet, um, but I look forward to stealing the next thing. And if you were to, this is a, this is a question I've um, started pondering recently. Um, if you were to start a new business and you had big plans about the culture, like this is the business where it's going to be at least one person's best ever job. How would you start thinking about the culture? What would be the foundational principles? Um, I, I think um, I'm a big believer in start with why and, and having that, 
I think that purpose-driven um, piece is the is the largest piece because, again, once people, you know, we think about like the Maslow's hierarchy of needs, and once people's basic needs are met, mm-hmm. right, we start looking at this self-actualization phase of life, and and in order for us to really fill that need in ourselves and in others, um, it, they have to have a purpose, and so starting with why we're doing this in the first place and keeping that as the North star, um, is, is foremost. And so from that, and and that's, that's kind of how we drove this is that to coach, inspire others so we can celebrate their success. Just, just captures for me. And and what's nice is like, it sort of transcends just the business as well. Um, and then from their values and, and I guess uh, just based on my experience, having those two pieces in place, and getting crystal clear on what that means, what actions, what that means from an action perspective, and and having that clarity has made all the difference. Everything else follows. If we if I, when we when we set those things up, life became easy, right? Whenever we had a difficult decision, we just hold it up to those those tenants. And if it if it's a yes, it's a yes. If it's a no, it's a no. And and very very rarely is there a gray area for us. And, and it allows us it allows us to have a laser focus on where we're going and what we're trying to achieve at all times. I was also thinking about this topic when I I just, I just read uh, Seth Godin's latest book called uh, "The Song of Significance," and he talks about the need to move away from treating people as resources to giving them um, uh, work and jobs that add meaning and significance to them and to the world. And so I thought about if I start a new business, then the first thing I need to do is, of course, make sure that that business adds value to the world and then hire the people for whom that has very intense and tangible meaning. And that's probably a very small subset of the people. So now my next business is on culture, so I have to find it, you know, the relatively small subpopulation that cares a lot about workplace culture. And like Robert Glazer said in an earlier episode, they, they, they attract about 1% or 2% of the, the people that apply to them, uh, or th- that's, that's the, the number of people they employ, because they have a very specific culture. But that's fine. You know, every company is a little bit weird, like Vern Harnish likes to say. Uh, it's a little bit special. And so I think it's fine to have a very clear purpose and then find this niche of people that really resonate with that purpose and whose day-to-day job will be so much easier because them contributing to something they care about. And that was actually, and what's fun is that was the theme of our, our summit really is, is shining a spotlight on the impact that our coaches have on the students mm. that they interact with. And, and what was really fun at the end of the day was we said, hey, how many of you were actually students here and enjoyed it so much that you've come back? And we had, you know, 20% of our staff had part of their childhood in the facility. Hmm. And so, and, and I think for everybody that's also sitting there, it's like, oh, we're having an impact on these kids and, and, and teaching them again about our core values and 
learning and having confidence and and being positive. And they're going to carry that with them throughout the rest of their life. And so, again, I 100% agree. It's that how can we have an, a bigger impact on the world around us? And, and we're very blessed that we get to do that. Blessed and grateful. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Eric, before we wrap, uh, which of the three facts is a lie and which is a truth from what you shared earlier? And I would dare place a bet that the lie was the McDonald's cup. Okay, excellent. All right. So unfortunately, you're going to lose. Um, I was sitting in a McDonald's with my children. They were eating very slowly. And they have, you know, they have a little contest that you pull the tab off the cup. So I pulled the tab off. I entered the little code in their little app. And about three months later, I actually got a, a, it looked like a phishing email, if I'm honest, but I got an email (laughs) and it was called the Prize Redemption Center. So if anybody out there ever gets an email from the Prize Redemption Center with a Chicago address and phone number, it's legit. (laughs) Um, And they said, Eric, you've won. Um, you've won a trip to a U.S. men's national team soccer game. And so Liz and I went, we traveled after, this was in the the uh, Brazil World Cup. That was the grand prize. Wow. I didn't win the grand prize. So we got to fly to Hartford, Connecticut. We had we had um, locker room passes for the U.S. men's national team. And if there's any, any uh, football fans out there, so Landon Donovan from the U.S., it was his last national team game. So we saw his retirement game. And then we had field passes. So after the game, Liz and I went on the field and we were actually on ESPN. We talked to Landon Donovan. And the funniest part was, is all the press was located in this itty bitty tiny space. But with our field pass, we were just out on the field, like walking around and had the whole place to ourselves. Cool. So, um, so that one was true. Um, all right. So then we're down to two. Um, the, I did, I do have a a pilot's license and I did get it in only three months. So again, I love to learn. And so that was a thing where I just went all in and basically did all of my education and all my flying. And 90 days later, I was an airplane pilot. Um, I did, I never did win a, a, a engineering competition with a balsa wood structure. Um, I did have a competition once, not the winner. So, okay. You fooled me. (laughs) (laughs) And so, Eric, uh, wrapping up, what do we as leaders need to rethink about culture? What do you think? Um, I, I think the most important thing that we have done is to really put it front and center in everything we do. Um, in, in my experience, I see po- people will, they'll have done some of the work and then it just sort of slides away and they don't, they don't actually use it. And this is, um, I had a, I got some advice from a mentor very early on before we started the gyms. And he said, Eric, he goes, whatever reason that you're starting this company, he goes, and he goes, I don't care what it is. He goes, but write that down on a piece of paper. And whenever you have any sort of decision that you need to make any critical decision, pull out that piece of paper and look at it. And, and so, and he said, Hey, maybe it's to make millions of dollars. That's fine. I mean, we can imagine a scenario where if that was our, our, our guidepost, we'd have to look at it. And, and so we had that knowledge, but we weren't very forthright with it as a company. We didn't broadcast it to our team. It was something we really held on to personally. And, and as soon as we started focusing that outward, that's where everything changed, where we actually started um, being our authentic selves and really sharing who we were as people, 
who we were as a company. And at that point, the culture shifted and it really, it really took on a, a, a life of its own, one that I'm very proud to be a part of. Wonderful. Thank you, Eric, for your authenticity. We definitely need more of that in the world. And for all the ticks and tips and hacks and um, initiatives you've built around culture and you will continue building, I'm sure. Uh, thank you for being an inspiration for all of us. I appreciate you having me. Thank you so much. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Do hit the subscribe button so you don't miss the next episodes. And don't forget to tell us what you think by emailing rethink at rethinkculture.co and keep leading. <laughs>